Don't do that. There we go. Here again. <laughs> Caliber. Hello. Hello, hello. I can hear you. You're quite echoey, though. I guess you haven't got a headset on. You've got just a general mic. Um, I'm using the USB mic that I always use, yeah. but it's probably a bit loud. Let me pick a suitable... Oh, I could... oh. Hit me again, Steve. What's that about? What's that name reference to? You'll get your answer as we discuss the episode. If you don't know, then uh, <laughs> you should know. Uh... Alexa, stop. I mean, I could have gone with naked time, Steve. It's naked time! <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I've just, just, just been watching the episode again as well. Um, oh, man. Let me just find a... There's nothing as funny in the episode as much just bent out of shape some certain sort of new Trek haters got about it, which I just love arguing with those people that are like, it's porn! It's <laughs> not porn. Get a sense of humour, you pathetic fools. <laughs> Anyway, you um, all set? I'm. I'm just getting a, just getting a suitable, suitable avatar. Two moments. Oh, okay. I didn't even realize you could. Well, I've done as MA, I think. Well, yeah. <laughs> so I'll just see if that. Hopefully the yeah, microphone's yeah. working a bit better. Yeah. And then. <clears throat> Change avatar. Uh, apply. <laughs> nice. Gotta pick something reasonable, haven't you? There were so many choices I was looking through myself, and I was like, oh, do I go with the. Uh, was it Shaxon, the weird cat doctor, just latched onto each other? It was a pretty funny image. Or... That, yeah, I was, I was just Shax, but I was like, well, she's got a full head. I just want a head. I mean, yours is... I just... I can't look at yours. But, yeah. <laughs> it's just porn. How dare I? <laughs> yeah, of all the things you could have picked there. It's um... just betraying Gene Roddenberry's vision. A man who infamously just wants orgies and full-breasted women everywhere. <laughs> 
Well known for it, yeah. <laughs> but bizarrely so. of all that. <laughs> well, what people do in their private life, you know. Indeed, and, uh, indeed. Out of, out of curiosity, have you ever read the novelization of uh, Star Trek The Motion Picture, which is the only thing Roddenberry's ever written without, like, any oversight? No. I recently bought it because I'd heard so many, like, horror stories. Well, horror stories isn't quite right because it's just kind of amusing. It's so so completely different. He uses the prologue to basically piss all over the original series by saying, it's all terribly exaggerated, so don't take it as gospel because it didn't happen that way. Because <laughs> he's so bitter about, like, getting rewritten and stuff. Yeah. Um, and then the entire opening is like, I was named James T. Kirk. James was after my mother's first love instructor. It's <laughs> like, what, what are you on, dude? <laughs> yeah, it's very weird. I get to the whole areas about how uh... there as well. You said there. Yeah, yeah, that's what oh, I mean. Yeah, I didn't just mishear that. My God. Yeah, it gets into whole areas about how. The Enterprise crew are considered like backwards, and most of humanity have got like mind implants and stuff to repress their urges, but not the Enterprise crew. It's, yeah, it's very weird. <laughs> the introduction to Ilea as well is one of the most pornographic things in a non-porn book I've ever read. Like Kirk sees her and he's like, he he could swear she was naked. She's in uniform, but he just sees her completely naked and isn't sure why. I'm like, I wonder why, Gene. Mm, yes. <laughs> Anyway, you know, it's gone too far. We have a cartoon with a blacked out uh, penis, so. <laughs> yes. How dare we? <laughs> Absolutely. Anyway. Um, right, well, I'm ready to get going, I think. I've got the usual stuff ready. Uh, a few things for the sections and stuff, so I'll get chatting to you inside of that, if that's all right with you. Yeah, yeah. Cool. cool, cool. I'll give it a quick countdown for editing then. Uh, then five, four, three, two. One. Welcome back, viewers. It's naked time. Oh. <laughs> we are looking at the episode I excretus from Lower Decks on this episode. Uh, that was what that intro was about. <laughs> uh, weirdly enough, this episode was chosen because it fits the Borg theme that I'm going with for the series two, the Borg and uh, Advanced AI, uh, as you'll see when we get into the episode. Um, but we have other things to discuss in the meantime. And first of all, uh, I do have to introduce my guest. Uh, my, my oldest friend has returned. And uh, yeah, introduce yourself then, you you silly person. <laughs> <laughs> it's me again. It's Steve Brown. Uh, yeah, happy to join the mic here on our chat about this episode. Hopefully, I'm yeah. fun, yeah. We haven't really talked uh, Lower Decks because last time we reviewed uh, a more serious, it was Encounter at Farpoint we reviewed at the start of Series 1. So um, mm. I think Lower Decks probably matches our both of our sense of humours a bit closer, maybe, but uh, we shall see. Fun. So, fun, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so anyway, um, if you're not familiar with the podcast, just to go over it, if you're a first-time listener, it breaks down into sections. We'll go through them as we hit them. Don't worry, it's pretty easy to keep up with. Um, so I will, without any further ado, jump into the very first section, uh, which is like a getting to know you type thing, uh, which I call healing frequencies. Oh. Excuse me. Uh, so yeah, as you will probably know if you have been a regular listener, what I've been asking my guests when they were first on is for their top three kind of uh, movies or series or episodes anywhere in the franchise. Um, but being that you're a returning guest, I've already asked you that, so I can't ask you that again. Uh, even though we've had many discussions about that kind of thing in the past anyway, given how long we've known each other. But uh, So instead, what I've been asking returning guests is, uh, to put you on the spot, could you give me your top three characters from anywhere in the Trek franchise? Oh, God. 
and I've listened to previous episodes. Why didn't I make a note of that? Um, <laughs> oh, the characters. There's a lot of them. It's uh, it's been I know. a while. This franchise. <laughs> yes. Um, hmm. Hmm. I remember when I asked that's... Linda this last week, she said, like, oh, there's hundreds of characters that I've just went completely blank as soon as you asked me for them. Yeah, it's like, I mean, I don't yeah. want to pick a main character, really. Well, you don't. I mean, you can. Yeah, I <laughs> can. But, you know, I can just go, oh, well, all three captains would be a bit boring. Um, <laughs> who, who could be in there that's uh, not a main character? <laughs> You just want to be different. Don't you? you just want to pick yes. all of the, the the unsung heroes from the lower decks of the various ships and stuff. Oh, ooh, ooh, ooh. I, mean, I could do that. I was actually thinking Martok. Okay, that's that's a pretty big major character. I'll give you. General he Martok, is, but he's, sure. he's not main cast, shall we say, as in Starfleet well, yeah. crew. Yeah, I know he pretty much becomes main cast, but yeah. You should have picked Gowron. He's well, just... that is the other choice because of the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Glory to you and your house. And your house, and yes, indeed. Like, God, yeah. those eyes. So yeah, let's go. Uh, <laughs> Martok, Gowron, and um, ooh, number three. Will it be the Klingon? That's the big question. We could go Kang. Kang was always good. Especially his okay. final episode. Yeah, let's just keep it Klingon. There you go. That's your next season. <laughs> That's your next season. It's Klingon season. There you go. Throw, <laughs> That's one of the possibilities, back. actually. So, there yeah. You so, your top three characters are genuinely, genuinely Martok, Gowron, and Kang. You put me on the spot, and I went Klingon. <laughs> Klingon right, gets fair enough. Done, what I say. If you're a fan of the Klingons, then yeah, cool. Weirdly enough, um, I literally just watched Kang's first episode this week. Do you have the Dove from the original series? Uh, Very good episode. Never gets enough credit, I don't think. It's one of my faves. Um, yeah. I just like the idea of uh, that it says, you know, stop hating, and then the creature will not be able to get to you. Kind of thing. So, mm. yeah. Very good. And as you say, he appeared, what, a couple of times in DS9? Or one time in DS9, once in Voyager. So, <laughs> so yeah. Is he in Voyager? He was briefly in flashback uh, when they go to the Excelsior. Um, and uh, he's kind of, he's starting yeah. Klingon space when Sulu's trying to see what happened to the, the exploding moon and stuff. So, yeah. Well, Believe it or not. Yeah. <laughs> oh, now I've seen at least a couple of DS9 episodes. I think you might be thinking of Kor. He did a few uh, because I think Kang was only in Blood Oath. Kor, I know, came back for like Sword of Kalos and Once More Into the Breach. Um, ah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. I was thinking it must have been at least been one of three that was in there, but yeah, yeah, you're right. Kankos and Core, yeah. So you changing your answer from Kank to Core then in that case? <laughs> no, no. Okay, yeah. just to be weird and awkward, you're just still going to stick yeah. with Kang. Okay, <laughs> especially the final episode where you know he's, he's just to change the entire topic of the uh, the show. Um, you know that final episode where you know, he's been a, a bit of a fool. Everyone's like, you know. Martok still thinks he's crap and hates him. That and was cool. <laughs> oh, I don't know. They're all Klingons. I can't tell the difference. <laughs> Racist much, honestly. <laughs> all Klingons look alike to you, do they? You dishonorable Patak. Oh, well, they had to be back there. Of course they do. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, I'll, we'll, we'll say Kang slash Kor <laughs> along with Martok and Gowron then. That's yeah. fair enough. 
you you bizarre person. <laughs> Most people are like, oh, this character meant a lot to me because they represent my struggle to fit in, or I modeled myself on this character. You're like, I just picked three random Klingons. <laughs> Why Put the, me on the spot? I picked some random people. <laughs> That's fair enough. Uh, well, it's going to be in for a fun one, I think. But uh, yeah, so I um, have a story just... for you if you prep me on this. A story? What was that? I don't know. I could have thought of a story. <laughs> you just, you know, I just made up why you like them. <laughs> picked, yeah, picked a character. You know, had a bit of thought, and yes, as you said, you know, think about maybe why they had some meaningful impact in my life. You never know. As it is, you've always liked Klingons. Ah, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, well, well, uh, just to not jump us ahead too quickly, then, because you know, just for my own uh, particular fun, <laughs> um, mm. have you been keeping up with uh, the second series of Picard? Have yes, uh, awesome. Yesterday, now, yeah. yeah uh, well, like spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen it, then. But um, I was just curious what your thoughts are four episodes into series two. Um, I love the first episode. I thought loads of potential. Now they, I don't know, they haven't quite, but they've sort of slowed it down a bit, and they're now yeah, telling the story. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to see where it's going to go. Okay, fair enough. Um, I see it's what you're saying. I, I don't. Uh, I don't think it's that bad. And I think the next episode, episode five, is going to be a huge one. Like everything's going to kick off, and it'll introduce all of the characters that we still haven't seen yet, and how they play into things and such. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm looking forward to the, the next episode when before it comes yeah. out. But I'm, I'm, I'm wanting. The sort of we've sort of got an end point that we think might be the end point, but it's probably not going to be the end point. And then it's I think it in lots of little things all the way through. And like, what could this mean? What could this mean? If it was a Marvel show, I'd presume it was Mephisto. But obviously it's not. So. <laughs> it was Agatha all along. Agatha's was Agatha the secret ball yeah. queen. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> oh spoiler alert. Indeed. Out of curiosity, um, who is your uh, best guess? As if we all don't already basically know this now for who that um, secret of ball queen is in episode one. Actually, no. Who do you think it is? You said I'm, that. I, I'm not really put too much thought on it. I'm 99% sure it's Agnes. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, there's a possibility there. <laughs> I, I get yeah. what you're saying. You know, she's, you know, the, the ball queen is certainly trying to get a clause into her own things. Yeah, otherwise that plot doesn't really have... It, it isn't going anywhere. And that, that seems like that's going to be the circle and back to where we started in episode one, but we'll see it mm. through... You know, other Agnes's eyes or whatever, and that'll be she'll be revealed to be the new Borg Queen or whatever. Um, but yeah, I can see has, that happening for sure. I could, remind me then, has Picard had a conversation with Agnes about his mother? Uh, I don't think he has yet, but in fairness, they were just at the chateau together where he was talking about the, the various family members, and oh, yeah, so true, yeah, but then I mean, yeah, I mean, he could have then, yeah. Yeah, it's reasonable to assume they could have off-screen, but even if not, there's still, what, four or five more episodes that they can happen in if they wanted it yeah. to. Um, and plus, I mean, to be fair, if you've got access to the Borg Collective, Picard's memories are probably still in there. <laughs> From when he was... That's ridiculous. true. So, That's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Overthought this clearly, but yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Um, so yeah, a couple of other... I'm loving a lot of the Easter eggs and stuff. You've got to love some of those that have been appearing in the last couple of episodes. I know it hasn't been as action-packed when they've been time-traveling, but... You've got to have noticed um, the, the punk on the bus from Star Trek Four. I was waiting. I was waiting for a Vulcan nerve pinch, especially as we mentioned that um, on your on the the fundraiser the other. Yeah, yeah, the uh, 
for oh, I forgot which channel it was called, but yeah, for the Ukrainian fundraiser, we did talk yeah. about. We discussed top ten movies, and we talked about Star Trek Four at, uh, at length. Yeah, that was, so, yeah, that was my favorite scene as well. But yeah, it's a great that, that scene, good. and I just I, I give them such props for it's the same actor and everything. <laughs> They've got was it? Man, it's, I didn't yeah, yeah, it's the same exact guy. I mean, he's a, he's a fairly famous guy on for other reasons because obviously he was like a, a bit part actor back in the day. But he since he's worked his way up, he's like an executive at Jim Henson. He does various like Muppet projects and stuff. Right, um, right. And he's like uh, he's constantly on social media. He, I've had some back and forth with him talking about um, did you ever do any work on Farscape? And it turns out not or whatever. But you know, so he's a fairly known commodity. But yeah, just the fact that he dyed his hair and everything back to the ginger mohawk to do that one little callback. And he's been on Twitter since then, just like, I'm absolutely loving it. He's changed his profile picture to the kind of the newer version of the punk with the ghetto blaster. I was like, this is this is brilliant. I love it. <laughs> I also love that um, the last two episodes, because they've dealt with time travel, I find it hilarious that they were directed by Marty McFly's mum. <laughs> ah, nice. It's a very nice touch. He's a very good director as well. Directed a few uh, Star Girls and things like that, the uh, superhero shows. Mm. So he's done a very good job. But, uh, Fair enough. Um, on, on a similar subject, then what do you make of the recast, the third actress to play the Borg Queen? Not the not the secret hidden one, but the one that we've actually had to see strung up. Yeah, no, no. Um, doing a good job. Mm. I like the subtle changes to the makeup and things. Each one is slightly different. Yeah. Um, not sure what race is supposed to be. Well, we oh, never know obviously. that, do we? I mean, <laughs> it doesn't really yeah. matter, I guess. Sometimes they look very humanoid, but but they're obviously always probably some random Dantlacodent race, probably, or something like that. They say in Unimatrix Zero the, the designation, and she said she's species 180 or something, but it, it's yeah. not humid anyway, put it that way, but yeah. we don't know what it is. Yeah. It just looks like it. But yeah. Um, yeah, that's, I, I'm the same. I kind of... I, I find it a bit jarring because the actress, she's a really good actress that I've liked in other stuff, but she's not like the other two performances. Yeah. And I'm re I'm now realizing why is that basically she's supposed to be seducing Agnes for the the entirety of this series, I reckon. So it's like, oh, mm. okay. So she can't really be like brutal, vicious. It's got to be like, ooh, come come with us. We can all be friends. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> you've, you've been there lonely a while. <laughs> this, this just, just sort of there behind being menacing uh -huh. yeah. and manipulative. <laughs> You've not yeah. really needed the Borg Queen to do that much. No, well, she had an entire army at her back, as she said. So, exactly, uh, yeah. So this yeah, is her she's... when she's by herself, cut off from, yeah. the, well, cut off from the collective, probably, as well, yeah. Well, completely, yeah, she said to you as well. This, this is one of the issues that I have in terms of continuity, is that, like, there's no collective anymore, she's the last one, but now they've travelled back in time. She could easily, presumably, just get in touch with them again. <laughs> yeah, but, she's uh, got future, well, is it future tech? I suppose it is. Well, yeah, it is. It's a feature from the alternate timeline or whatever, but it's there. Having said that, yeah. a slight spoiler alert, I have seen a clip from next week's episode, which is basically, it's only a minute or so, but it's the Borg Queen hacking into and accessing mobile phone towers. Um, so I'm like, oh, hang on. Is she going to try and contact the Borg Collective in this area? And, uh, Did she invent 5G? Do I have to worry? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's exactly what happened. But, uh, no, that's behind cool. 5G, you heard it here first. <laughs> I do like the... Uh, I'm really intrigued because I haven't got a clue what's happening with it, but the fact that Q doesn't seem to have his powers anymore. As of oh, the end I of the saw last that, episode. yeah. yeah the, what's I, going I, on? He was sitting there whispering away at that woman. Trying, I thought maybe he's trying to actually put like negative thoughts in our head or something like that. I think that. that's what he was thinking he was trying to do, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, and then she I, laughs, apparently... Like, um, yeah. 
I found out by looking on the internet, because apparently it was in the subtitles, that that woman is a character called Renee Picard, who is Picard's ancestor, who's going to be like central to everything. And I was like, oh. ah, okay. They didn't uh, make that particularly clear, other than the fact it's really good Dixon Hill book, I guess. <laughs> I've yeah. looked at it, yeah, I couldn't quite see the title of it properly. I, I know uh, it was Dixon Hill, but I was like... I, I can't remember the exact title, like the palette something, but it's definitely a Dixon Hill book. And uh, mm. yeah, nice reference to Jackson Roykirk from uh, the Nomad Probe from the original series in there as well. Lots uh, of cool little things. And the internet is ablaze with the queries about this woman who looks like Laris and the means that she took Picard away somewhere. So what are your thoughts on, on that then, just before I move on? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, oh, why to start there? Obviously, he hasn't got the ears. But that's yeah, well, something that can change. But then, yeah, like that shadow cube transporty, extra dimensional, mm-hmm. timey wimey thing. Yeah, who knows? Um, yeah. Well, a lot of people on the internet think they know. They think they've solved it based on a few things that were said and the way that looks. Enlighten um, me. Do Do you recall the original series episode Assigned Earth? It's not a popular episode. It's pretty terrible, and it was supposed to be a backdoor pilot for a different series. No. Um, but it has the the character of Gary Seven. Basically, who's All right. um, he's on Earth in the sixties to try and like protect a, a space launch or something. Uh, he has a cat that transforms into a woman and a lot of futuristic technology, and he basically opens rectangular portals with like smoke effects and stuff. And he was said to be like a supervisor who was watching, you know, through time uh, that was put there by aliens or something. So everyone's like, ah, she's going to be like another version of Gary Seven or one of his type of supervisors. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I like that or not. I like I like it if they're going to do something good with an episode that I absolutely hate because I don't like that episode at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll see, I guess. My initial thought when I first saw it was something like Iconians and then I was like, no, nah, that's dumb. I, they don't look anything like that. So maybe not. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be good Iconians, but to have started with the Borg, I mean, yes, they could say, oh, you know, the, the Borg Queen is a assimilated... Iconian, and that's why she needs the power and all that because they're largely energy based beings and stuff like that. Mm, but... Exactly. Yeah. No, I think I've got a feeling it is going to be this weird Gary Seven connection. So um, if you have never seen Assignment Earth or haven't seen it for many a year, it might be worth having a look. Unfortunately, you poor thing, because it's not a great episode, <laughs> let me tell you. I mean, yeah. it's, it's it's fun in that kind of like they were blatantly wanted to make a different 1960s sci-fi virtual comedy show type thing but uh, mm. it's not good <laughs> and it's one of those times when it just opens with the enterprise in orbit of 1960s earth and it's like we've just traveled back on a mission for to just find some data some information like what since when <laughs> stuff is yeah. just like yeah let's have a pop back to the 60s have a quick look you know <laughs> i don't yeah they did love that well that's why kurt will have that massive file that they always <laughs> refer to because just... temple investigations yeah yeah that's you know. a menace <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. This pops back just to check on something. What colour <laughs> was this flower? <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, that's all right. Well, uh, I'll move us on then, because that's probably going to have bored people to, to death <laughs> for this intro section. But I'll move us on uh, to the next section, as you will know if you're a regular listener, is the hit or miss section. And it's what gives the podcast its name. Basically, I will fire out um, six or seven things from anywhere in the Trek universe uh, to my guest who has no idea what's coming. So it is very much a, a putting them on the spot. Uh, I will ask you if you think it's a hit or a miss, Stephen. Uh, you can tell me what you think, and then I'll tell you what I think. We can debate back and forth if necessary. Uh, let's see. I think I've got seven for this week. I have tried to fit in things that might relate to the Borg and AI because of the theme of the season, but I'm kind of running out. So forgive me. There's only a couple of rather vague connections here. But uh, yeah, you'll see when we get to them. 
So are you ready for your first hit or miss question? Hit me. Uh, the first thing then for the for today, uh, if you remember this, is the Voyager episode prototype, hit or miss. Uh, yeah, considering I've been watching Voyager and I can't recall that episode. It's in series two and it's basically um, a, a robot kind of race guy asks Bellana to reactivate his species, but it turns out he's at war with a oh, different robot species. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I... Two races been fighting each other. Made these. Um, uh, uh. <laughs> Let's go. How long was it? How long ago was it when you watched series two? Um, got a month. Not wow, that long. You, you can't even remember it that well, though. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm going to miss. It. Yeah, okay, I recall it. I, literally, as soon as I saw a picture of the character, when I quickly had a Google, it, I was like, "All right, that ah. was good." Um, yeah, the prelude I mean, on the cool. graphic. It was interesting. But then it's like, oh, okay. We um, saw gonna, where it was going. Yeah, I'm going to disagree. I, I, I like it. I think it's a hit. It's one of my favourites um, of just those random episodes that nobody talks about because I just like the interaction between Bellana and the whatever this prototype unit guy. Uh, there's a cool scene where she talks about data and how he's he's got perfect rights and this robot guy's like, I would like to meet this data. And uh, I, I thought it was an interesting twist when she basically just has to create and then kill her own creation when she realises, you know, you're just fighting this endless war as the machines of another species. A lot's been done before, uh, you know, especially in Star Trek, but I thought it was an inter interesting take on things. And I think anytime you give Bellana an episode, it tends to be really good because she's a good actress anyway. Um, but yeah, I especially liked the, uh, <coughs> the the guest star of the week that was doing the robot was pretty cool as well, I thought. And uh, that's about all I can say about that. So <laughs> um, yeah, but as you say, if, if you didn't find it very memorable, then it's going to be hard to say you particularly liked it, so I guess we'll have to call it one miss and one hit on that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Um, maybe just go back and give it a watch, uh, viewers and listeners, if you if you haven't, because I, I personally think it's quite good. It's not one of the best, but it's, it's a good enough little episode. It's a decent <laughs> filler me. episode. It, it, you know, it, it's sort of what I think a lot of Star Trek is missing these days, because mm. it's all very story-driven for a season. You, you yeah, there's no get, fillers, is there? Yeah, you don't get fillers with whether just tackle or just shine the light on just an issue or some aspect of a life or society, which is what I think the Star Trek always did well. And I think know, it's doing it well, but it's as you say, it's it's in service of one overall story because there was a couple of really good moments in in this week's Picard episode that did a good job of that. But as yeah. you say, you don't really have a filler that's like just. That kind of story is, is the kind of thing you get in the Orville nowadays, an episode like Prototype, I would say, rather mm. than you what you get in the track series, until Fingers Crossed Strange New World, which apparently they're promising will be more episodic and not like one ongoing story, so you never know. <laughs> we'll hope yeah. for the best, I guess. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see. Awesome. Hmm. Uh, okay, dokey. So I'm going to move on to the second thing on the list, then. My second thing for this week is the USS Stargazer, NCC 2893, which is the Constellation class ship from Next Generation. Hit or miss? The original. Um, hit. I think it was nice to see a new design of a starship. Okay. And obviously, uh, going back and seeing uh, the actual episode itself wasn't that bad. I thought the bit the orb thing was a bit. Weird. But um, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I get what you mean. But the they had to have Ferengi. some kind of. They had to have some kind of means that the Ferengi were mind controlling Picard. So. Yeah, I, I yeah. definitely prefer how Frangie became with their characters and, and the, the rewrite, basically, when it came mm. to 
DS9 and that sort of onwards. The, the original Ferengi were a bit like uh, the other. Well, they were, profit, they were supposed to be replacing the Klingons, and then they just realized they weren't that good of an enemy, you know? Because it yeah. was like they were supposed to be a really huge, terrible threat, and then I think they were like, ah, it's not working. We'll just give up on that one. So, yeah. 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 I don't know. They've always been a. They're there. They are potentially a threat, but. What what reason have they got other than profit? Really, they're a bit. Well, in that case, they tried to give the guy like he wanted vengeance on Picard for what was it, killing his son in battle or something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Slightly off topic, but yeah, the Stargazer design are you a fan of than the original thing? Yeah, I mean, I like what they did with it in the newer episode, but um, yeah. Well, it's not the same ship. Well, no, but Uh, it's still the same same name, same basic idea. So you're a fan of the kind of four nacelles uh, look then. It's different compared to all the other ones you'd seen beforehand. Because all you'd really mm. seen of like the older style of ships, obviously the Constitution, Miranda, and then there was this one with the fauna cells and the things. Yeah, it, it was cool. Bad, it was cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say the same. I think it's a hit. Um, it, probably a little bit softer than you because I don't like the fact that the interior looked too old and it was blatantly just redresses of like the movie sets and the battle bridge and stuff. So inside, it was perhaps a little bit too rickety and crappy looking. Um, but I like the design. I like how it's got quite a thick saucer section, and I do, I do not mind the fauna cell thing. It looks really good. Sometimes it doesn't on some ships, but on that one, I think it works really well. And as you say, mm. the um, when it actually does the Picard maneuver, I think the the profile of it having the fauna cells really helps it to look like it's like blasting through space in a millisecond or whatever. Um, mm. So it's a really cool visual when that happens as well. So, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, it's quite large as well if you think about it compared to. Uh... Yeah, I guess. But... A picture of it alongside the Enterprise D, and actually, that's quite large. Yeah, it's it's not a small ship, definitely not. No, um, no. Well, when you think how big a Galaxy class is, it would have to be pretty big. And it is Picard's first command, so mm. yeah. Uh, okay, fair enough. Uh, well, I'll, I'll jump us to number three then, because that's basically linked, uh, and you'll never guess it is basically the USS Stargazer NCC eight two eight nine three from Star Trek Picard, hit or miss. <laughs> Um, I'm actually just looking at some pictures of it. Um, nice. I will put pictures up when I edit <laughs> to put them in for people to see. But, yeah, uh, I like it as well. I, I, I've never seen a good explanation of why this got, why it has four cells. It's just one of those things. I remember um, I, I read somewhere that Gene Roddenberry, when he was writing down the sort of Bible of things that will happen, he said that starships always have to have an even number of nacelles, um, so you could only have like two or four. But then, obviously, after he died, they were like, "Screw it!" There's ships with three. There's ships with one. <laughs> yeah. uh, the Prometheus has like five, I think, if you if you count the little extra one and stuff. So that's um, true. Yeah, that the one from really the top eye. Yeah, but uh, so I think it was basically to stick with the idea of like, well, we we want to do something different than just two nacelles, but we've got to because of Gene, we've got to keep it within an even number, so it became four. And it does look pretty good. I mean, it's not terrible. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, symmetry, at least. You know, everyone expects yeah. symmetry on, on things. But no, I, I like it. Yeah, it's nice. Um, obviously, the warp cells aren't sort of like clustered in behind the, the saucer section. They're all spread mm. out behind it. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the thing that gives me a little bit of pause. I really, I want to like it, and I do. I would still say hit, but I don't like the way that the they attach the four nacelles to the saucer. It looks like there's too much going on. It's a bit of a, a, a mess. It's all like bundled in, and they could have done with streamlining it a little bit more. Um, but to me, to my eye, anyway, it looks like you know you could have done with maybe an extra bit of drive section or something to connect it to, instead of just yeah. sticking everything in one place like that. 
we'll and then to, that's yeah, where the shuttle beer is as well. Yeah, they've got the shuttle beer there, otherwise you'd probably end up having some sort of block behind the saucer section, which they'd yeah. all connect to, rather than sort of sandwiching on the top and the bottom of the saucer, which is how it looks. Certainly in yeah. the images I'm just flipping through at the moment. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's not my favourite design, but I would still say it's a hit, and I'm really just chuffed that they actually did make a new ship and, and the effort that's went into it you can see again by following the kind of production staff and on twitter and stuff you can see there is genuine effort and they've thought about everything from what kind of interiors and windows it would have to what it would look like on the outside to making sure it fit in with sort of starships and when we compare it to the cut and paste like oh that'll do of the, the end of oh, series one yeah, it's yeah. orders of magnitude better isn't it so you can't really fault them for that so uh, yeah, yeah definitely i think it'll grow on me probably a little bit more as we go on but yeah i like how it looks modern and new and cool um mm. from the outside so yeah not my favorite yeah. but i'll still say hit yeah you're seeing the same yeah absolutely Golfer. Fair enough. Uh, okay. We're agreeing. What's going on? Oh. <laughs> well, we disagreed on the first one and then agreed twice. We'll see. I, I have a feeling we might well agree on the next one, but the number four on the list then for today uh, is the Captain Proton Holodeck program. Hit or miss? Hit. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a, just a hit, great. isn't it? Great fun. Great yeah. fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm changing one of my options. We're going to get rid of that one. I did the Klingon I didn't really know, and we're going to go with the robot from Dr. Proton. <laughs> Invaders from the fifth dimension. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> that robot. Just, just obviously, it's just a guy in a tube, but it's just the, the sort of characteristics he, he manages to throw in that. Yeah. It's such. It's really hard to do physical type comedy as well. But I'm thinking of the moment when he's like, "Invaders, invaders!" and Paris just like slaps him and just goes, "Shut up!" and he just walks away, going, "Invaders." invaders. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's great, isn't it? Um, if anybody's ever seen like old Flash Gordon type series and stuff, which I'm kind of, I'm, I'm getting more into again at the moment. I've, I've liked them in the past, and I'm just uh, looking at kind of classic sci-fi and stuff. And you've got to love how faithful it is to sort of how cheesy a lot of that older stuff was. And uh, yeah, any chance that you basically have an episode like Bride of Chaotica where you make Janeway dress up like the Queen of the Spider People and try to seduce this random Mingdy Merciless uh, version of a character is just so good. Clever fiendishness. <laughs> the death ray. <laughs> yes. Awesome. And I will say I've got the model of Captain Proton's rocket ship, uh, even though I hadn't intended to because it was like reduced to like four quid and it's really, really good. <laughs> it came and I was like, damn, this is actually really impressive. <laughs> Way more so than it should be for something that's designed to look crap. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like that. I think that was a good use of the holodeck because they tried a few different things in Voyager and I think that's probably the most successful. Would you agree? Yeah, I think that was a big thing with Voyager. Hmm. Um, obviously, uh, the, the S9 had it with like Vix and stuff like that. Eventually, yeah. Um, yeah and Next Gen had obviously the usual a few episodes and the Dixon Hill bits and things like that. But I think that's one of the the things that made Voyager where they could have stuff that was going on that wasn't on the ship, mm. you know, rather than just visiting a planet all the time, they could just it go was, in. They had a yeah. lot of stuff on the hollow deck. It was weird to me that they kept the same. It, it tended to go per season or season or two, though. So you can mm. look at like the first couple of seasons are the, the bar in Paris with the pool hall that they ended up in. Yeah. And then the, the third season is the random like Hawaiian luau type thing. The yeah. fourth season is the Da Vinci program. 
the fifth and sixth seasons are Proton, and then the seventh season, I think they were just... Oh, no, the sixth season, I think they introduced Fairhaven as well. <laughs> so it was, mm. yeah, delete the wife and, and all that, her gubbins. So, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I think Pepper Proton was the best of those, and it, it really gave you a chance for some mm. cool stuff. And it was believable that uh, Tom and Harry would be, let's be honest, playing games like that on this, in their spare yeah. time. So, okay. Um, are we ready for a bit of controversy then for number five today? Um, okay, hit me. I, I, I know you don't necessarily spend as much time on social media and in the Trek sort of circles as, uh, as, as I do and a lot of people do, uh, but you would not believe how much of a debate this has become on the internet. So I'm just going to ask you straight up, carpets on starships, hit or miss? <laughs> What else would we have like Lino? Well, the Stargazer, <laughs> the new Stargazer doesn't have carpets, and people are really not happy about it because they've just got like metallic floors. Basically, um, I, I, I don't care. <laughs> it's floor. <laughs> that, that was um, that was basically my reaction as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean carpets. Uh, uh, I mean they could make my all sorts in the future, and they'd be hard wearing and last forever. Blah blah blah. Of course, yeah, yeah. But, um, because people have got I, used to it, I think because of the aesthetic yeah. with the Enterprise D, it was so 1980s that obviously they've got like I've said this before, but it looks like the bridge looks like the lobby of an 80s hotel. So of course they've got carpet down. You know what I mean? That yeah. was it wasn't designed to look like a spaceship. And I think I prefer things like the you know the NX01 Enterprise or the new Stargazer, where it's like no, you're on an actual naval vessel of some kind. You know, you wouldn't have carpet under your foot. You're not on a freaking luxury cruise. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, I think in certain situations, like maybe in engineering, you probably don't need it. Yeah, exactly. But for, I mean, uh, it's also a potentially quarters, just like a tripping hazard or whatever if you have got it down. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, if they can't keep your carpet down in the 24th century or, or, or later, well, you've got problems. <laughs> well, why introduce the potential? You know what I mean? For, but yeah, there was a whole video on. Um, I know you do watch the Trek Yards guys sometimes. They did an entire video about like this what it would look like if they'd put carpet on a stargazer and wouldn't it be better? And I was like, I don't care. It doesn't look that different to me. It's yeah. how people really getting and like I said, the internet, the like Twitter and stuff went absolutely ablaze with people like, it's ridiculous, you should put a carpet down. I can't believe the new stargazer doesn't have carpet. Like the poor guys that designed it had been all over the internet with like all the specifics and the specifications and everything, and and then just felt really bad for them because everyone was like, Oh, I don't care what you've done, it hasn't got carpet, so it doesn't look right. Oh come on! Really? I mean, I can certainly see where they might come from there. There's certain aesthetic that you expect on a starship, but why why can't you change that? I mean, like, mm. um, the Defiant was a warship, mm. you know, yeah. escort ship. Um, um, so why did that have carpet? Well, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, why do why do any of them? But it's one of those things. Like, like yeah. I, I'm not overly fussed about bridge windows but some people get really bent out of shape about it but i can understand that a lot more than i can understand i need to have carpet on the bridge or whatever like yeah. no, you don't really it doesn't make any difference like if, if before i mentioned it i guarantee you didn't know that there wasn't carpet down on the stargazer bridge no no i can't say <laughs> during that entire thing i ever bothered to look at the floor i'm now looking <laughs> at a picture and going oh yeah it's a bit shiny yeah um, exactly yeah. But you don't um, notice that kind of thing, do you? And I mean, no. Yeah. Um, for me, I would say, in terms of carpets on starships, I'm, you know, for hit or miss argument's sake, yes, it's a hit. It looks good where they've got them. 
but I also don't think it's necessary, and I don't care either way. It would be the yeah. ultimate thing. I'd say. That's it. What what else do you make the four out of plastic? Mm, well, transparent aluminium or whatever. I guess I don't know. But oh god, you don't you don't want your deck plate and they'd be transparent. What if someone's doing something beneath you or above you? And you look up and look down and go, oh my god! Plus, you know, there's, there's cables of all sorts running under there. Guess I'm thinking like you know, engineering and stuff like that. I understand why they might have something a bit more robust, something that's metal or grating and stuff like that. But I was also thinking um, the episode of Voyager where they go to the lower decks, Mm. that was a lot more, for want of a better term, industrial. and didn't have carbon stuff like that down, I think. I can't remember. I know the episode you're talking about, Good Shepherd, but I can't remember it, to be perfectly honest. I wouldn't be surprised. it's, It's probably not as placed everywhere but certainly you yeah. might maybe on the bridge as they're doing there but i still don't think it's necessary I, I mean like i said the stargazer is a bridge yes maybe it's a little bit too shiny would be the only complaint so you could maybe make it look a bit worn but it, there's nothing wrong with just having like a metallic steel or whatever floor because like i said mm. it's it's a spaceship you wouldn't walk onto a you know a navy submarine or a aircraft carrier and be like oh i don't like it there's no carpet down <laughs> i mean the poor guy's got to stand around with like a buffing machine on on like the night shift buffing that out <laughs> as opposed to the exactly. guy who you know they could have a future roomba that just goes around at night <laughs> with the carpet they've probably got they've probably got a dot 19 or whatever that just goes around and buffs the floors for them that is true yeah as soon as i said that was like actually yeah they probably have a bot that did it or just be a random phase a sweep or something like a really low setting or something it would wouldn't it it would be like oh okay two minutes just there we go nice and shiny we did a baryon sweep or whatever it's called exactly that's that's exactly what the baryon sweeps for it's the key of the carpets That was it. Never mind all the particles and all that. That I only ever mentioned that one episode. It was just it was a piece a carpet. of carpet. It was. You, you didn't see it, but there was a bunch of like random maids that just ran onto the ship. They were pretending it was a big beam, but they were just running back there like, quick, steam it. Get some soap down. Get the carpets clean. Picard's coming back. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um. I've got two not, more, I, so... I, I was going to say hit, but I'm, I'm changing that to really, I don't care if people should get a life. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm going to jump on board and say the same thing, so there we go. Like, I'm never normally so, that harsh. So we agree, those, and yeah. that's the main thing, yeah. Yeah, Everyone I'm never else. normally, like I said, that harsh to people, but in this situation, I really am like, it doesn't matter. It really yeah. doesn't, you know what I mean? You'd I have mean, to be a special level of note. And things like yeah. that. Uh, more, more reflective services and things like that, but yeah, I'm not forced so to be honest. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If if it really bothers you, then you know, fair play to you. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> I guess, but uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, as I say, I've got a couple of more. So the sixth one. Uh, first of all, I'll have to ask you the question: Have you seen Star Trek Prodigy yet? I've watched the first couple of episodes. Okay. Um, so of course you've you've done that legally because you travelled to America. Clearly. Um, the, the same way that I've watched the entire series, I'm, I was over there, you know. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the time, so the number six on my list for today, um, anyway, then from Prodigy was the character of Jancom Pog. Would you call him a hit or a miss? Oh, 
I've only watched it once. Uh, <laughs> and you probably only watched like the first two episodes, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, there's the first couple. Um, probably. Did you not like it? Why didn't you carry on with it, by the way? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, there's a you few didn't shows travel recently. to the States? <laughs> yeah, I couldn't fly back. Um, there's been a few shows recently where I've just been like, okay, that was all right. And then I've just moved on and done something else, watched something I else. will say Prodigy gets really good to the point where I think it's my favourite of the new uh, sort of post-Enterprise Trek series. Um, it gets super impressive. It starts yeah. off like, oh, it's a kid's show and you're setting up the characters, but then it gets stupidly good. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I think w- once the season's done, you know, and as you've just said, it must be done because you watched it all. Um, I might just well, it depends it. how you look at it, because there's 10 episodes done, but they're like, does that constitute a season or is it like half a season? And then when they come back for the next 10, is that the season? I don't know how they're working it out. but Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're, they're all like the, the really tiny seasons where they don't really fill much and charge twice yeah. as much for it. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so it's the pig guy. Um, He's a Tellerite. <laughs> ah, does he? I'm not a pig guy. Yeah. Um, I can't honestly say I really remember enough about the character. Um, he was one of the other ones. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's go, Miss. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say I really like the character. I'm going to say Hit because um, the voice actor is a really good comedian who I like, and I think he's got like the comedy chops. Um, yeah, so even Jason. when he's not getting stuff, Jason Manzoukas, that's right. Yeah. I don't have a list of the, the picture up here of them all. <laughs> what, which character they so, are and things. So yeah, I really like his kind of delivery and everything of the character. And I think I like that, that Pog is like, he, he's the kind of happy-go-lucky nothing will phase him character. Like he's he's got a, a metal arm because his arm got ripped off and stuff, and yet he's never... He's the kind of cheerful engineer type that's like, Jenkin will do it. <laughs> I'll, I'll help you out. He never seems phased by anything. So I'm like, yeah, I like that dude. I would. He'd be the kind of dude you'd love to just hang out with and maybe have a drink or two. <laughs> so, um, hmm. But yeah, hmm. so that, that would be my thoughts on the character after the first 10 episodes, at least. We'll see what happens beyond that, I guess. But yeah. <clears throat> Excuse yeah. me. Uh, so the last thing on the list for today, then, is an episode of Star Trek Next Generation, uh, and it's the episode The Most Toys, Hit or Miss. The most toys. Is that the one who collects data? It is. Yes. Do you remember it? That's <laughs> is yeah. I mean, uh, it hit. It's, it's one of those you know random aside ones where it's, it's got all the random things. Um, I'm going to say hit. I can't. I, I, I remember the episode. I thought obviously he gets kidnapped, but the. Think he's dead, but then they find out he's not dead. They come find them, and he's killing his crew. And you know, Data's trying to resist, and you're by just sitting in a chair, not moving, and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, not bad episode. Nice little thing of giving some more character to Data, really. I see. I I would I I would rave about this episode. I love it. I love that. Um, the the guy's really intense and like he's trying to go data as you said by like killing his own sort of crew woman or whatever to get to him and mm. he's trying to get an emotional response out of data i guess in a way and it, yeah. it really helps you with with data's development because as you said the fact that he's clever enough to be like i'm just gonna sit here and then it looks like you've got nothing when you're like look at my super advanced android he's just sat there like a teddy bear like <laughs> won't do anything and just being petulant like that in that wonderful way but i think what makes the episode for me is the fact that he at the very end of the episode, Data has the chance to shoot and kill the guy, 
and um, yes. they beam him back to the Enterprise, and it's like, oh, it, uh, it turns out there was a, an ongoing weapon that we had to deactivate, and Data's like, oh, it must have been activated by the transporter by accident, but it's never made explicit to the audience at all if that is the case, or if Data was just pushed so far that he actually was just willing to kill the guy and had fired at him. And I'm like, oh, I love that. <laughs> uh, no, I reckon Data pulled it. <laughs> you think yeah. he did it? Yeah. Why not? Why not? <laughs> Well, I mean, it was the logical thing to do. This guy was clearly doing more harm than good in the universe when you think yeah. about it. So, Kivas yeah. Fajo, the guy. But yeah. No, I love the episode. I think it's very intense. It's really emotional, uh, especially, as you say, when they think Data has been blown up in a shuttle, so they think he's lost as well. So, mm. this kind of looks like there's no hope. And then, yeah, great guest star, great episode. Highly recommend. Uh, so, yeah, hit and severe hit, I would say, for those for that <laughs> one. Then, so. uh, awesome. That's fair enough. Um, any last thoughts before we jump to the next part, then? Uh, no, no, I'm uh, I'm good there, yeah. Happy Sweet. with the, the options so far. Cool. Uh, well, I'll move us to the next section then. Uh, the next section will be the actual main episode review, uh, and I will begin analysis of it. Uh, where are we? So, yeah, um, the episode, as I've mentioned in question this week, to fit into the Borg theme, because it does, uh, is the episode I Exquitus from Lower Decks. Um, and what I've been doing this season, uh, or this series, I've been starting off with just a few random fast facts about the episode, in case anybody's interested, rather than just like having cold review all the time. Uh, so apologies if you find it boring, but I do only have like three quick facts about the episode to let people know. <laughs> um, the first fact about this one is that the title obviously echoes iRobot, uh, and it's also similar to the word locutus, uh, because like that word excretus is Latin, meaning to have separated. Uh, but it's also similar to the English word excrete, meaning to defecate. So it's both clever and a poop joke, which I think there's no finer example of what Lower Dex is trying to do than clever Latin joke, poop joke, <laughs> within the same title. So, yeah. uh, uh, Where are we? Uh, number two for my fast facts, then. Uh, how's this for a deep cut? Shari Yun Yem, who you can see on Stephen's little uh, icon there, is only the second Pandronian to ever appear in Star Trek after Ari Bunbem from the eponymous animated series episode Bem. Uh, and Pem's outfit is nearly identical to the one worn by Bem. Uh, and in both cases, they can split themselves into three in that weird way, have like a head and a body and whatever just floating about. So, uh, Have you ever, by the way, seen that episode of the animated series, Stephen? No, I've never watched any of the animated Oh, so you you had no idea what this was a reference to then, with being uh, basically the same as them? <laughs> no. Well, well I've got to, to obviously referring to themselves, them, and it's translating. Okay. Mm. Well, then I'm guessing because there was some sort of wires coming over, just some sort of artificial creature. Nope. No. What's nope. the wires about them? Uh, I don't see any. I don't think I don't can separate. I never really saw any wires or anything on it. Yeah, yeah. they're coming from our, random our legs, our hips. Mm. Sort of. That's why I thought we should maybe sort of slightly artificial in some way. Not that I can recall, but it has been a long time since I've seen the episode Bem. Um, but I don't recall being artificial in any way. That's just like a species that can weirdly do that. Um, yeah. But yeah, the speech patterns and everything and the way that they talk and look are copied exactly from that animated series episode. Mm. So as you said, the way that she's like, this one wants to... <laughs> Do this or whatever so um yeah fair enough well maybe if you get a chance to watch any of the animated series you could do but uh, i'll have to catch up with prodigy first there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair enough yeah I, I mean to be fair the animated series is not 
always great <laughs> but yeah i love the fact that there's so many references to it in lower decks because they're clearly fans but mm. this is this is one of the most obvious glaring ones but there's references throughout it um the giant vulcan skeleton in one of the series two episodes is a reference to the animated series as well uh, mm. for example and uh yeah look it up if you're interested <laughs> it's worth a go uh but finally fast fact number three then uh, for this episode, a hologram of another crossover character appears, the Borg Queen, obviously, in this episode, uh, voiced by the character's original actress, Alice Krieger, uh, and her, appear her, her appearance for Boimler mirrors Data's exact experience with her in Star Trek First Contact. So, yeah. yeah. Weird that as we've been discussing, like, recasting the Borg Queen with a new actress for Picard, this was the original actress who first played her in the movie who came back to do the voice. So, impressive, I think. <laughs> awesome. So any thoughts on those facts and figures that you wanted to let us know? Or... Oh, the last one was interesting, definitely. Obviously, um, having not seen the animated one, didn't get that mm. at all. But yeah, it's well, fair enough. It, the voices are always, because the, the characters for the Borg Queen generally seem to be the same. Um, mm. And they sort of look similar, certainly the one from... Um, oh yeah, Voyager. Yeah, Voyager, and then the one from um, First Contact, the did try to look very much like the same. Well, yeah, they, they swapped they swapped those actresses out, and nobody really noticed because they recast her for Voyager. But then the actress that they'd recast couldn't do the Voyager finale, so they brought back Alice Krieg from the movie for the last episode of Voyager, and nobody seems to have even noticed because they looked so similar anyway. Yeah, so it's like, oh, well, why, why worry? Um, yeah, you can certainly see they are the Borg Queen, but they yeah. are also the same character. Um, yeah, yeah. Where obviously the, the new upper cards, they are a different Borg Queen. A different Queen, yeah, completely. Um, yeah, but I, I thought it was a nice touch that they actually got the original actress to come and do the voice, and that, that's something else they've been doing. Uh, I know that in the, I think somewhere in the first series, they have John Delancey as Q, for like a very quick joke in one of the episodes. Mm. Where they're just like, Q, we don't have time for this, go away. <laughs> He's like, but I'm bored. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's fair enough. Well, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to hit the episode just uh, in chronological order. If I hit anything, or if I pass anything you wanted to talk about, just uh, give me a shout back or, yeah, or sure. not. Uh, I'll try not to hit everything exactly, otherwise we'll be here forever. But uh, yeah, anyway, the episode opens with the uh, quite an amusing teaser where they're doing like what looks like repairs or something in their spacesuits, uh, talking about how they're all one great team, and then the four lower deckers get left behind when they, yeah. when Cerritos picks up a distress call, so it just does off. <laughs> I think it's so funny, and there's something uh, Tony Newsom's such a good comedy actress, but there's something about her delivery of. Well, so they're gone. So how much oxygen do we have? Like ballpark. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, like, it's yeah. so funny. It, it, see, watching that show, it's exactly what they would do. <laughs> exactly, yeah. was, like, it's quite relatable. We've all, yeah, we've all had jobs where we felt like, you know, if I got left behind, my manager wouldn't know us. So <laughs> I kind of feel, uh, yeah, it's, there's a lot of relatability that you don't get in a lot of the Star Trek. But, um, well, the fact that we're freezing to death almost. After six hours, I didn't quite get, but it was funny. We, uh, it's just so that she can, like, it's, like you say, she can butt heads with her mum when they do come back, and and then have the argument with Ransom about how, you know, it was because you didn't follow protocols, we didn't know you were there because you hadn't signed out your boots or whatever kind of mm. clerical crap. But, like, uh, what? Yeah. but then... you must have sent them out there to do it. <laughs> Who knows how these things work? But yeah, just an excuse to have them bickering and then for them to say that they find the lower decks to be too disposable, which it's mm. just purely to set up the sitcom idea that we'll get to later of like, you should do my job for a day or whatever. But yeah. Anyway, we'll get there. Um, so that leads us just past the credits when we meet this new Pandronian, uh, Yem, 
uh, who is initiating tests. And as I said, that's basically it, it, it's the classic sitcom idea that they've basically just written down on a board somewhere of like walk a mile in my shoes. We're switching roles or whatever. I was like, it's not unique, but you know, you can have a Star Trek twist on it. So we'll see how they do, <laughs> I guess. And, yep. uh, in terms of Easter eggs as well, uh, there's multiple episode titles on the wall of the various simulations that they're doing. So I have that up uh... right now. I was looking at it. I was like, because <laughs> that's what I, when it first came to the screen, I was like, oh, with that naked time? Why did I notice that the first time? And mm. um, yeah, then I actually like, rolled it back slightly, took a screenshot and went, but yeah, there is a load of different stuff, including the Kobayashi Maru. Like, yes, almost yeah. The top. But yeah, but it's amazing how many of them are actual episode titles of like original series, next gen, etc. That they've used yeah. as the title of the simulation. So it's definitely worth like a screenshot or a freeze frame and seeing how many you can recognize if you're a big Trek nerd. <laughs> mm. But I like that. I do. And um, I would, I would love to have seen a triple one though. Oh man! <laughs> well, maybe, maybe in future you never know. <laughs> so uh, yeah, the very first one we go into anyway is the Mirror Universe, obviously. Um, so that's, you know, we're familiar with it. We know how this works, but Marin has been told she has to infiltrate the Terran Empire and she deviates from protocol to try and, uh, you know, get to them from within. But she's docked yeah. points for going against, you know, the rules and regulations. And she's found out by Boimler because his Mariner is left-handed, not right-handed or something like that. That's but, it, um... yeah. And then the triggered <laughs> bit. It's like, ah! Yeah, from, uh, from Body Snatchers. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Ah, not one of us. That's such a cool I... random film reference, but I absolutely love it. <laughs> uh, similarly, then, at the same time, Tendi is doing basically the Next Generation episode, Ethics. <laughs> yeah. Klingon wants to have ritual suicide, but I, I love that they're taking the mick out of how stupid that episode is. That Wolf's yeah. like, I'm injured, so I must die, because they're like, the Klingon like reached for something and fell over and hurt his back, and now he wants to die, <laughs> and she just doesn't know how to do it. Or, you know, it's clear to just... for a period. Yes, a peanut. <laughs> and he's like, I want to die, but you've got to use my ceremonial blade. And yeah. just, it's the most obvious basic level of humor, but just the subversion of like, there's nothing I can do. This man's alive. Time of life. <laughs> yeah, it. Time of life. Like, no. <laughs> no. And I was like, this, this uh, particular scene strikes me as the kind of thing. I don't know if you're familiar with the guy who basically invented Lower Decks. He used to write for Rick and Morty. Um, but the reason I think that he got the job is that he had a Twitter account called Next Generation Season 8, where he just wrote like humorous subplots and stuff that might be on a fictional season eight of next gen if there was ever to be one and right. this just strikes me as the sort of thing he clearly would have written in a twitter post as like there was a klingon who hurts himself reaching for a peanut <laughs> the medical officer is trying to ritually kill him but can't find a way to do it properly and in the end the klingon lives i was like yeah this is this is his sense of humor all the way really isn't it so yeah that, that this entire episode is is very much <laughs> like the jump cut thing they do on uh like Family Guy and all that, where they just yeah. ran, take a random couple of seconds off and do something. This entire <laughs> episode is just that. Basically, it's good yeah. fun. It is get as many Star Trek episode-related jokes as we can in one episode, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Definitely. Awesome. Speaking of which, Mariner is uh, off to the Old West in a reference to various things, but probably mostly the original series episode, Spectre of the Gun. Uh, but she can't do anything right. She heads to the saloon, but there's not it's not meant to be what she does. And she tries to get on a horse, confident that she'll be fine, but she falls, even though she reckons she's got horse training. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's like two years of horse tri uh, training, which is, uh, <laughs> our mum says later on. But it's like, she falls off the horse, then the horse proceeds to start kicking her. 
just for the sake of it. It's like, what? The funniest thing, though, there is that it's a callback that, you know, spoiler alert, when we get to the point where it turns out that all of the games are rigged, uh, the simulations by the, the Pandronian chick, um, and uh, Mariner's like, oh, I knew it. I would, he, I would never have had that problem with the horse. And she's like, oh, no, we never actually got to that one. That, that was fine. It's just you were just bad at it. She's like, shut up, horse is lovely. Yeah. <laughs> Oddly, uh, you obviously mentioned the original series episode there. Um, the actual one that dropped in my head was um, Fistful of Dares. Yeah, there's a few. There's so many Wild West episodes. Yeah, yeah uh, definitely. Or even Red Dwarf. Randomly. Yeah, Good End of the Apocalypse. Yeah. yeah. That was the other one that dropped my head when that came. You could up. also see the uh, the Enterprise episode North Star, I guess, as well. Mm. Now that's a deep cut for you. <laughs> mm. It's not really an actual Earth thing, but basically, yeah, in the Delphic Expanse, there's a group of abducted humans living with the Skagarans and their uh, like old West. Go watch it; it's good. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, the next one, of course, as any Star Trek fan will tell you, is basically the end of Star Trek Two. We're on a refit Constitution class ship. Uh, there's a warp core breach. Rutherford has to get into the chamber to do as Spock did and save the entire ship, but he can't do it because he tries to open the door to the chamber and just burns his hand, so he yeah. can't go in and sacrifice himself. He tries putting his his boot on his hand to insulate it and everything, but he takes yeah. too long and the Enterprise blows up and everyone dies. <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's pure nerd laughs, and it is one of those like. Yeah, that's a point. Why did it not just burn somebody as they were going in? But that was yeah. that was the point I was going. Wait a minute, what's going on here? That was like <laughs> you had thirty seconds to get into a room after entering, and the <laughs> handle's hot. That's literally setting you up to fail. Exactly, but it's so great that the other the other guy who's with him is like, "We got twenty seconds. Come on, you got to do this. I'm trying. I'm trying to do it, man." It just <laughs> does that great comedy thing of like a pan out to the really cool looking like Enterprise Constitution class ship quiet for a second and then just boom <laughs> it's gone <laughs> like failed <laughs> yeah. yeah awesome um but we this is uh, where the episode uh, kind of fits into the theme i've had going on because we get to the first part of boimler's borg encounter mission uh which he's very confident about because he's read everything about the borg so he fights off a bunch of drones escapes from a cube in a handy borg sphere but he leaves behind the borg babies which are a, a nice reference back to Q-Who that's never really been addressed since that episode. So I personally appreciated that deep cut, that they were little Borg babies in a drawer, like in that episode. Um, yeah. But yeah, be because he left them behind, he gets a 79%, uh, which yeah. he's not happy with. He wants to go back and do better. Um, yeah. I absolutely love that even the music in these scenes is exactly the music whenever they were on a Borg cube in Next Generation. <laughs> like it's yeah. the dramatic background music, even though it's played, played the scene for comedy. Um, so yeah, he just keeps on unhappy that he, you know, he hasn't got a perfect score. The next time around, he does take the babies with him to rescue them, like all strapped to him, but he only gets an 83%. Next time he goes again, he rescues the babies and rescues a couple of drones, but it only gets him up to an 84%. So he's just getting more and more infuriated. This is why it. we're friends, because I went and wrote down all the scores as well. <laughs> <laughs> I had to. <laughs> I'm kind of, kind of annoyed at the fact that like saving two or three drones only gained you one percent difference. Like what? Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it so reminds me of like Boimler is basically me because I'd be the kind of idiot that would be like if you get a failing grade, you know, you're locked out and you have got a pass, so you can go on. No, no, I need to get hundred percent. I know everything about the ball. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Especially if you've got out there alive. Exactly. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, yeah. Um, the next scene is a scene which angered certain corners of the internet, bizarrely, uh, which is polywater intoxication, uh, a reference to the original series episode, The Naked uh, Time, and the next-gen episode, The Naked Now, as we referenced earlier. Um, I cannot believe this scene became controversial. It's clearly a joke. It's a reference to existing episodes of Star Trek. It's not out of nowhere. And it's really, really funny. I'm sorry, but it's hilarious. It's not a, you know, savage betrayal of Star Trek's ideals. It's just funny. And the character of Mariner is exactly responding in the way that these Puritan types are are acting. Like, oh, I don't want to see this. Ah. So, yeah, I have to address the fact that it is controversial. But I also have to ask your more thoughts. in rather than sucking through an airlock. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, yeah. that's what you're saying there, isn't it? No, no, I'm not. No, no, definitely. Join, join no. in. I see your picture. Uh-huh. <laughs> You'll join in, get naked, and uh, everyone else is uh, just kill everyone by killing you over the I just think it's really funny because it really, like, that is, it's an extreme version of exactly what happens in those actual episodes. But like I said, even Marina's response when she's just like, nope, nope, I, I'm, I failed, I failed, just fail me. I'm not doing it. And then just, like you said, blows herself out of an airlock rather than just into space rather than have to put up with it for like a minute longer. And then even later on, she's traumatized by the image of Shaxx just naked shouting, it's naked time when he's like, he's cracking his back and stuff. But I don't get how anybody can be so bent out of shape about this and be so offended by it. It's just... Man, the internet. <laughs> people that yeah. hate new stuff, isn't it really? So yeah, yeah. I take it you're uh, you're not really one of the people that's going to claim that you know it's porn and it's against Gene Roddenberry's vision and how dare we? <laughs> I mean, it's so ludicrous. It's hilarious. That's the point. Yeah, exactly. It it's is. It's animated funny. <laughs> show. It's not actually naked people. Yeah. I mean the the next episode was more suggestive. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, it really was, but yeah. And it's, like I said, it's it's humour. Get a sense of humour. That's all it is. Yeah. I mean, I still I can't, can't look at your picture. That's just <laughs> What do you have against Brad Boimler and Jet Manhaver? <laughs> Which, by the way, greatest name ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't really know what else to say about this. I wanted to address it, but I just think it's so silly. It might have been better if I'd had somebody on who could argue the point, but everyone that has tried to do that just comes off sounding ridiculous. But if that's you, by all means, I welcome trying to tell me what you have that's an issue, <laughs> but I don't see it. So, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the fact that Mariner basically blows herself into space rather than see any more of her crewmates naked drops the ship's overall score drastically to 37%. So, yeah, yeah we hit this point where everybody's uh, the ship is failing and things are not going well. Um, but we're on a break, so everyone's in the ready room, uh, and obviously they've switched places. So the lower deckers are in the, you know, the, the senior ready room, uh, and they're enjoying the replicator recipe privileges. Um, except Boimler, who's still trying to do the Borg mission, of course. Yeah. Um, so he's he's tried it multiple ways. He's gotten as high as ninety four percent, but he's still not satisfied with it. Yeah. So yeah, that's one of those great, like as you said. Um, it, why isn't Boimler here? In the background, you do see a ninety eight percent. Do you? Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> well, yeah, his actual it... score is given was a 94, but in the background, you see ah, his score okay. on the wall as a 98. Meaning he's probably had as high as a 98 and hasn't quite matched it again, so... Yeah, that was okay. his last score, then that the 100% score, which he never completed. He yeah. did have the 100% until they told him to keep at it later on, though, which is yeah. so frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> 
there are. But no, it's great the way they cut away from that. But then we come back to Mariner, the kind of cliche, you know, grudgingly, I must admit that jobs are hard. And Tendi speculates, hey, maybe he's there feeling the same way down in the lower decks. But on the contrary, the senior staff are sort of talking about how, (laughs) and again, it's a great sort of critique of some of the lower ranking Star Trek of extras and stuff, because it's like, today was so easy. I just had to stand in the transporter room waiting to see if anybody wanted to be beamed down. And I'm like, oh, yeah, when you think about it, that is basically all that, like, early Chief O'Brien ever did, really, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Talking about the easy jobs and then uh, how, how much better it is down there, even the, the close quarters they don't mind because it gives a chance for Dr. Tana to snuggle up next to Shacks and stuff. But, uh, mm. yeah. And then uh, a red alert wakes them, though, and they head to their actual test just to find themselves having to stack irrationally shaped crates during an attack. I love this scene because yeah. I'm so glad someone finally pointed out how stupid it is that they have hexagonal crates <laughs> and the fact that Shax even calls that out. Like, why do they look like this? It's yeah. so dumb. And then just the humor of the, the actual captain who's getting up to all the stuff running around going, there's Klingons attacking, we've got to come back. Oh, you haven't seen Q <laughs> down here anywhere, have you? Never mind, carry on stacking the boxes. <laughs> It's so good. But then obviously the crates all fall down, so they fail as well. So, but, uh, yeah. Thoughts on that uh, particular thing then? Are you of the same mind as me that it's kind of amusing that they're ripping the mick out of Trek uh, tropes and stuff? Yeah, definitely. And it's it's always the, the senior officers who fix everything. Yeah. Things like that. You know, you don't get some smart ensign just chipping in an idea. It's always, you know, to take Next Gen as an example, they're having the little conference. And one of the senior crew comes up with the idea that fixes the day, and it's like, what's the rest of the crew yeah. really there for? Exactly, yeah. Oh, fair enough. Stacking crates, apparently. But, uh... yeah. And standing <laughs> in the transport room. Exactly. Um, we head to the final test, then, which is, or supposed to be the final test, which is a joint exercise to basically relive Star Trek Three. Uh, they have to steal the Cerritos from Space Dock and rescue Spock. Uh, but there's too much bickering, particularly between, like I said, uh, Mariner and her mum and Mariner being distracted by Shax. So it turns out that the ship crashes into the space dock doors before Ransom can even return to ask how people want their coffee after he's been sent to get it. Like it takes less time than that before they spectacularly fail the mission. <laughs> I just love how, how terrible that went. It's so comical. And uh, I've been waiting so many years for a spaceship to crash into those doors because they open stupidly slowly. So every time I've seen them, I'm like, why do they open that slow? It's it, it's an accident waiting to happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So then they, they head next to the lounge where Freeman and Mariner lament their awful scores, but realize they have got a new respect for each other's duties um, and think that this is the lesson all along in typical kind of sitcom style. So they head to Yem to inform her, you know, they'll be more empathetic going forward. Um, and she gloats that, no, no, your scores are bad. You're going nowhere. And plot twist, it's revealed that she is evil. She wants everyone reassigned because the whole purpose of the tests was so she could keep her job since every other crew instantly passed all of her tests too easily. Um, she targeted the Cerritos after the incident where they left the lower deckers behind, which is a great way to bring the teaser to like back into the episode uh, to make it not just like a silly throwaway joke. Um, so yeah, there's some jokey banter about Mac Mariner failing the horse test that I mentioned, uh, and it's revealed that everybody is locked out except uh, Boimler because they've all failed on their tests. But realizing that she can't, that Yem can't, you know, send their school suit to Starfleet until everything's completed, they contact Boimler, who is on 100%, and tell him that um, no, he he has to not finish his test so that they can find a way to defeat this woman. So he has to carry on even though he has achieved achieved the perfect score, which is just oh, it's heartbreaking. Really. Yeah. yeah. 
speaking of which, inside the Borg encounter, Boimler has rescued most of the drones. He's beaten the Borg queen at chess, taught her empathy, and is about to hit 100%. Then, but that's when Mariner calls, obviously, and says, you can't finish. Um, he sees his score lower as he carries on to 99%, and then it just keeps dropping. Uh, later on, when we cut back to him, he sees the Borg Queen. Um, he, he asks her, oh, how we, how's the empathy that I taught you? To which she just responds, we assimilated it <laughs> in a really funny yeah. way. And uh, the drones drag him away screaming, uh, which we know where that's going, I guess. <laughs> but uh, Quickly, we cut back to the Cerritos Bridge, where um, this really weirdly, the way that they defeat Yem in this scene reminded me a lot of the Voyager episode Scientific Method. I don't know if you remember that one. It's almost oh, yep. the same. When, uh, stars, yeah, yeah is just like recklessly like just fly somewhere super dangerous until these things that are experimenting on us just F off from the ship, basically. I was oh. like, it's the same plot. That's so weird. But again, we get so many nice references to like Tetrion wormholes and there's multiple crystalline entities that must be crystalline <laughs> entities season out there or something. Yeah. <laughs> so good. But uh, yeah, so they're insisting that uh, Yem change their scores because they've located what they call a temporal black hole. Uh, she tries to resist, but ultimately, you know, she gets far too scared um, and the crew easily break free and point out that it was just a regular black hole. And if she wasn't such a fraud, she would have known that, darn it. So um, they got the best of her by just basically pointing out that it's all about experience and they know better and they know what they're doing and it might seem like they're reckless. But, you know, ultimately, that's the lesson is that they're, they're a great crew who work together well when they have to. So there you go. Um Couple of scenes left then. Back to the Borg encounter. Again, the key scene. Boimler is strapped to a table. He's scared and the Borg Queen just blows on his skin in a nice yeah. first contact homage, let's say. You know, yeah. dripping off, you could also argue. <laughs> Again, same dialogue. She calls him a remarkable creature who nearly passes as human. <laughs> he insists he is human and she recommends he drinks more water because he's very pissed. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So anyway, she decides to have him assimilated against his protests that uh, he has hair fever and acid reflux and his assimilation would probably actually be a net loss to the collective. Yeah. <laughs> again, I love as a tactic to try and save your ass. It's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, Mariner tries to contact him, but um, he can't respond, obviously, because they head down to tell him he can finally release himself from the pod. Shaxia's him shuffling about, but uh, he insists he is excretus of Borg now. Um, so they cut him out when he falls out of the pod, exhausted, but clearly human. Um, he's utterly, obviously, shattered and, uh, you know, wrecked. Uh, but all he's interested in is, did he get his perfect score? To which Tendi says, yeah, you did, you did. And then we look at the wall and see that his final score was 8%. <laughs> so yeah. She lied, basically. <laughs> it's the lowest score of all of them, yeah. <laughs> yeah of course it is, yeah. And, uh, yeah, we just wrap things up with an ending in the mess hall where... It's revealed that Yem has quit due to on-the-job stress, uh, and Mariner and Freeman get a chance to bond because they're proud that they've ruined the career of a jerk. Uh, the senior staff wheeling a new replicator with the good food. It's like an olive branch reward. Uh, and the episode ends with Boimler excited to try the new food um, and then being told that the Borg mustn't have taken his appetite, causing him to solemnly lament that the Borg took away everything he was, which <laughs> is an odd thing to play for laughs, but it might be some meta-commentary about how the you know, Borg assimilation got less and less traumatic as it went on, but uh, yeah. and it's also kind of amusing. So, yeah. Uh, so that would conclude the episode. So before I move to the next kind of uh, things about this section, uh, is there any last thoughts or things that I haven't touched on you wanted to mention? Uh, no, I think you've covered all the bits, really. I had, uh, had a little skim through myself and made some notes, and if you've ticked the boxes, yeah. Awesome. 
Cool. Uh, well, the next thing that I was going to do, as I say, I've been doing this series just for a bit of an extra, you know, uh, flavor to it rather than just, you know, repeating what happened in the episode, um, is that I would like to know your favorite character, favorite moment and favorite line from the episode. Um, and I'll do the same. So we'll start with favorite characters and I'll start with you. Who's your favorite character in this episode? Boma. Just for his <laughs> on that. Like I passed, but I haven't got a percent. Hit me again. Hence my name. Yeah. You asked me at the start when I joined. Why have I called myself that? Oh, That's hit me again! Hit me again, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, viewers, listeners, he's actually listed as hit me again, Steve, on the uh, on our screens here that you can't see. And I wasn't sure what that was a reference to, but you're right, yeah, hit me again, because he just wants to keep going and going. Yeah. Nice. I said the same thing. I said Boimler is too relatable not to pick. Mariner's a very close second, but I also went with Boimler as my favourite character. <laughs> um. So what is your favourite moment of the episode, then? What do you think it is, based off what we've discussed so far? <laughs> is it It's Naked Time? <laughs> no, oddly enough, it's not It's Naked Time. Oh, okay, what is Much it? Much to disappoint you, you'll get another, quite another chance. It, it, oh, let me think, what was your favourite moment of the episode? Um, I, you know, I can't, I can't really, I don't, can't uh, put my finger on you what your sense of humour could possibly be. Uh, I'm going to say probably Boimler repeating the Borg mission. <laughs> No, because that's multiple multiple bits. Yeah, it's, that's it's, true. It's, it's the Klingon. Oh, the ethics. The Klingon died. It was just that. It was like, you know, he <laughs> died because he wanted to kill himself because he put his back on a peanut. <laughs> you know, that entire thing, just the farcical nature of it. And it it's like, great. you know, time of life. <laughs> Nine o'clock or something stupid. Yeah. Oh, I can't fault you with that. That is great. That's really funny. Awesome. You see, I, I actually did say my favourite moment was It's Naked Time. Because it's hilarious on its own, but it's almost more funny how bent out of shape certain people got about well, You're a pervert, <laughs> that's why, it's fine. <laughs> Embrace it, it's fine. Well, why not? What the heck? <laughs> you know, I'm definitely not going to Photoshop that with a picture of your face. I'm sad, it? <laughs> Please don't. don't <laughs> just... I'm sure certain, like, Kurtzman is evil characters are going to do that anyway. But, you know. <laughs> uh, anyhow, so what is your favourite line then, finally, from the episode? Hit me again. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. I've written down uh, my favourite line because I wanted to get it exactly, which I often do. And my favourite line in the whole thing was spoken by Shax, and it is just, if they wanted us to stack these, then why are they shaped like this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. it gets to the core of a huge, like, yeah, exactly. What are you doing, Star Trek? Um, but yeah, awesome. Uh, so the, the very next section then uh, is obviously... Uh, in a section where I deal with the ideology of Star Trek and what people kind of respond to in it, which is the you know optimism and the hope and uh, idiot and what have you. And it's the thing that a lot of people would tend to refer to, probably wrongly, but would call Gene's vision. So that is the section that I call Gene's vision. Excuse me. <clears throat> so with that in mind, what do you think, uh, it, from your point of view, is a takeaway from this episode that fits the kind of grand Star Trek ideology and theme? <laughs> Oddly enough, the, the false reason for the entire thing, you know, mm. getting the crew to, to harmonise yeah, more, that definitely fits in with uh, what you actually expect of a, a Star Trek episode, really. Yeah. You go through some trials and term, you know, toils and such, and they come out better for it as a group in the end. You've, yeah, more or less, word for word, exactly what I've said for my first point. Yeah, we work better together. Um, and yeah, But even related to that, as you said, the, the idea that Yem has to do this because every other Starfleet crew is so good at the tests, because of course they are. <laughs> They're Starfleet crews, you know? 
Um, yeah. So, yeah. I also like there's a lot of Easter eggs to actual kind of past adventures and stuff. I think that's very mm. reminiscent. And um, I, I just said, ultimately, lighten up once in a while. The original series always had episodes that were like that, and as did all the others. And uh, if you can't lighten up just a little bit without wanting to, you know, tear down the franchise's current uh, holders, then maybe you need to take a look in the freaking mirror. <laughs> yeah. Just chill totally out. Carpet. We don't yeah. care if there's carpet. We don't care. <laughs> okay. Well, so, anyway. Chill out. Curl up on your carpet in front of your fire and relax. Exactly. Put some sauce like you do like. Exactly. Yeah, there's plenty of it. So, um, any last thoughts then on the whole Gene's vision concept or no? No, no. I mean, other than that, um, it's yeah, it hit that. The whole bringing the crew together is definitely the main thing. That is mm. Star Trek. So ideology for me in that uh, the individual parts of it that encompass encompass the actual you know the show itself or that yeah. episode um are all just a bit fun and not really related to gene's vision at all but that's not the point really well you you say that but again when you actually know the man it probably uh as i think somebody pointed out on twitter the other day it's probably closer to gene's actual vision than a lot of actual star trek uh mm-hmm. you know more self-serious stuff would be but you know people don't like to hear that so we won't touch on that but, uh, uh, fair enough um, it occurs to me that I've completely forgotten to ask an audience response for this week, so I'll either record that and edit it back in later, or we'll have a slightly shorter episode. Uh, so with that in mind, uh, I would uh, be interested in your conclusion and your score out of uh, five Starfleet Deltas then, Stephen. Oh. Or in this case, by the way, uh, just for you, I can't believe I didn't do this the last time I reviewed Lower Decks, but it's not going to be out of five Starfleet Deltas. It's going to be out of five badges. <laughs> badges. My, my previous favourite character, I believe. Um, <laughs> yes, exactly. Mm, out of five badges. badges well, conclusion evil, first. So <laughs> conclusion. Yeah. Great fun episode. You know, lots of Easter eggs. You know, recapping bits of old shows. And it really highlights the various characters really well. Hmm. Yeah. Fair enough. And you'll score out of five stars or deltas or badges. Or so I recently oh, I looked at your list and I was like, I see. I saw what was the the top top one at the moment. I was like, yeah, it's a good episode. But there's a couple of it... them that have got five out of five at the moment overall. Yeah. Ah no, there's one one I saw that had five out of five, and then as of today, was... there's now a second one. <laughs> oh, oh, maybe I just need to check that list out again. Um, I'm, uh, let's go five. Let's go five. Five. Wow. Okay. Fair yeah, enough. Five badges. Really, <laughs> really fun episode. Really funny. Okay. That's fair enough. Um, well, I'm, I just said uh, my conclusion was that it's an episode that shows the versatility of Trek as a franchise uh, and why a show sh- like Lower Decks can and should exist. Uh, there's more than enough nerdy references to give a fan thrill, but unlike some other episodes, that's not all there is. And they're in service of an overall classic sitcom plot and tropes. Crucially, the episode's also really funny, probably more so if you know the references, but I don't think that you need to. Uh, okay, it's not exactly deep or profound, it's very cliche at times, and it's not to be taken deadly seriously, but it is also definitely not disrespectful, quite the opposite, it's an extremely entertaining half an hour, just know that you've come to watch Futurama and not 2001 A Space Odyssey, and I said four badges <laughs> out of five, sorry to disappoint, <laughs> I didn't quite go the full five, uh, I couldn't bring myself <laughs> to, but I went four, so yeah. Um, bearing that in mind then to work out an average for the podcast overall, the final score for Lower Decks I Excretus would be 4.5 or 4.5 badges 
out of five. So picture half of a badgie screaming in pain. <laughs> I guess what I'm saying. <laughs> but there we go. So yeah, that's uh, it's quite a quick one this week, but that wraps that up. And uh, I think that's uh, we've said all that needs to be said, really, haven't we, about that episode? So any last uh, last thoughts or anything before I go into the, the plugs? Not at all. Just uh, thank you for inviting me. Yeah, I know. Anytime, man. Anytime. You know, uh, I always up to talk track or uh, hang out, so that's cool. And uh, yeah, so did you want to pass on your social medias or where people can find you? Out there. <laughs> out there. O- on your Facebook that. or via your Facebook, because I have no other <laughs> social media presence at all. It's basically the best way, yeah. You don't really do a lot else in the internet, but you're usually around. So if anybody wants to reach him, just send me a message. I'll get it to him. <laughs> but there we go. And uh, you can, of course, find me at Ian Mike Wilson on Twitter or the podcast at HOMTrek or HOMTrek on Twitter. Hit or miss Star Trek on Instagram or just my name, Michael Wilson, in most of the social medias. Uh, yeah, and that'll conclude this episode. We have two more episodes left in this second series. Uh, so come back and join us next week when I'll be joined by uh, co-host DK and guest Chris Shelfnerds. Um, we'll be reviewing the Discovery episode Project Daedalus. Uh, and then to round off the season, we have an epic four-person, three-guest review of the movie Star Trek First Contact coming up. So stay tuned for that. And uh, yeah, uh, thanks again for joining me, Stephen. Always welcome to hang out and, uh, and chat Trek, as I said. And uh, everyone, remember, we are Starfleet. Live long and prosper. End stream. Whew.